There we go. I tell you what, that's amazing timing. This thing came on right at the right time as I got up here. Fellowship Center, you with us over there? Somebody wave. Beautiful. Beautiful. Most of you. And uh, live stream, you're here, I presume. We welcome each and every one. Actually, literally, from all around the world as we come together. And boy, for the folks that are here today, isn't it great to be together? So excited. So excited about that. I apologize for my wrestling with... I always have trouble with these. And uh, we'll see what happens. Great morning. Great morning to be together. And the first thing I want us to do, uh, Kaylee Bird is with us this morning to read our scripture. And so, Kaylee, come on up. I know Kaylee's got a brand new little brother in the home. And, wow, that can create all kinds of difficulties. But uh, do you want to... I'll hold this if you don't want to, but uh, get after it. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life. John 10, 7 through 10. Thank you, Kaylee. I do have one announcement before we actually get into things. And that is, this is our first Sunday where we have our second collection, which typically our first Sunday contribution goes to uh, our members that, you know, something's jumped up and, and financially they're in a problem, we can help out. Today is a little different. What we're going to do is all the funds that are con- uh, collected in that second contribution, not our regular, but our second contribution, are going to go to helping folks that have been affected by Hurricane Laura. And that's going to be channeled through one kingdom. So if you're going to give in that second contribution, if you do still write a check, got to be something still out there. Down there at the note, note it either for, you know, hurricane relief or one kingdom. And if you're on the website or on the church app, you can select one kingdom from the list of choices. So be sure and be sure and do that. Morning, church. It is really, really great. You know, I thought... As many times as, as Al has taken the opportunity up here to take a shot at me, just, just to get a laugh, I thought, you know, this would be the perfect opportunity for, for you know, godly retribution to, to take a shot at him. But you know what? I, I, I got to thinking about it. That's completely the wrong spirit. Completely the wrong attitude. I said, I, I, I told myself, I am not going to stoop to that level and, and, and take a shot at him and use this platform for that. I'm just, you know what? I really don't need this. I don't have a big belly to cover. <laughs> what? What? I'm serious. <laughs> Gotta love you, Al. <clears throat> Last week, Mike preached a great sermon on, from John chapter 10, and it, you know, it just expounded on that in great ways to show us what was going on at the time, what was happening at the time. It was, it was great, it was inspiring. But he left the first few verses of the chapter for me. Because of the lesson I was supposed to give on back to school Sunday, which we didn't have. 
But I got to thinking about it. You know what? I think this is something we all, all of us need to, uh, need to go ahead and hear. Guys and gals, we, we are in a battle. And we know from Ephesians 6 it is not a, a battle with flesh and blood. It's a spiritual warfare that we are in continually. And the enemy or the thief that he talks about in John chapter 10, whoever that might be specifically talking about in that context, ultimately that's going to go back to Satan, the evil one. He's behind it all. And so I want us to understand this morning how we're going to defeat the enemy. And I'm going to get real specific. Defeat the thief. I want to get real specific about one particular particular verse here that he uses in John chapter 10. And Kaylee just read it for us. And as as that passage is concluding, he says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So what I'm going to do, i got so much more than we've got time for. So this is going to be like skipping a rock through this stuff. Hang on to your hat. But what I want to do is I want to get very specific about those three things in ways that I think, not just our young people, but for all of us, that he's trying to do those same things, to steal, to kill, and destroy. And the first one is this. He's trying to steal your faith. He's trying to rock your faith. And I tell you how he's doing it. Through our culture right now, the, one of the main ways he's doing it, he's trying to tell you, there's people trying to tell you that we are here, everything we know, everything we see, the, our very existence right now, has nothing to do with a, with a creator God, but is from a very natural, naturalistic process that has brought us to the point to which we are. And look, that may not be a problem for you if you're from like me from the older generation. But let me tell you something. If you've got children and grandchildren, and in their educational process, if they don't go to a Christian college or university, they are going to be bombarded with this. And here's the thing about it. The people bombarding are incredibly smart. They're very intelligent. They're not stupid. Can I, can I use the S word? They're not stupid people. And they know their, their argument very, very well. And they, they'll present it in such a way that if you and I are not totally and completely grounded and don't know what's going on, they can actually crumble the foundations of our faith or our children and grandchildren. Interestingly enough, God told us this is going to happen. He describes this situation to a T. You ever heard this? Well, you, of course you have. You ever, you ever known anybody who's too smart for their own good? That concept comes from the Bible. Turn your Bibles. If you've got, you got them, paper, electronic, I don't care. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I hope you can see that if you don't have your own. Well, sounds good, doesn't it? Still hearing pages flip. First Corinthians chapter 1, starting verse 18. Now listen to the words, y'all. Come on, listen to what he says. For the message of the cross is foolishness. You hear that? The gospel? The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Amen. 
Now listen to the words of God from quoting from the prophet Isaiah. For it is written. Here's what God says. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. Now, isn't that interesting? And now he's getting ready to tell you exactly how he's going to do that. Where is the wise man? Where's the scholar? Where's the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Amen. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believed. Did you follow? Did you track it? Where, where is this, these people of the world that are so incredibly intelligent? God says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the very message that they call foolish and make it their only hope for salvation. Man, who looks foolish now? Too smart for their own good. People, I've run into them year after year. And incredibly intelligent. I'm talking about students coming up through school. Seniors in high school. So intelligent. They want it. They have to have an explanation for everything. They got it. You know what? God's not going to tell you everything. He told you that. He's not going to reveal everything to you. You're going to have to trust Him. But they're just so smart. And I'm telling you, it drives them or it can drive them. Drive them away. I simplify it like this, okay? With this naturalistic process. I've been through all this kind of studies. All this stuff. Let me tell you. Here's how I simplify it. Mr. Scientist or whomever you are, I tell you what you do. You go outside, look at a tree. Pick a tree, any tree. Take a good look at it. Analyze it. And go make one. No, no. You don't get a seed or an acorn. Just go make one. And you know what? Not even close to the human body and the brain. Life itself. You're alive, you know. You know how to take your own pulse? Hope that thing's beaten. Apparently it is. You're alive. Life itself. Do you know all these folks that are touting this naturalistic process, you could put them in a scenario where you could tell them, as brilliant as they are, tell them, I tell you what you do. You sit down and you create what you think is the perfect atmosphere, the perfect environment for this to happen. We'll even give you some non-living particles. Although you'd have had to come up with them on your own too. But that's okay. Well, we'll give you that. We'll give you some non-living particles and you make them come to life in the perfect atmosphere, whatever you want to create. And they still can't do it. They can't do it on purpose and they expect me to believe it happened on accident. He's trying to steal your faith. It, it, you, we've got to be rock solid in the Word of God. Trusting Creator God. He's responsible for our being. They're going to try to steal your faith. Secondly, they're going to try to... He's going to... The thief, the enemy, he's going to try to kill your heart. Let me explain specifically what I mean by that. There could, there's probably hundreds of ways. 
He's trying to do this. But here's what I'm talking about this morning. He's going to try to tell you who you are and who you're not. And I tell you, his argument, or his, not his argument, his attack, as we're trying to defeat this thief, his attack started at the very beginning. Genesis 3. Now, we're familiar with the scenario. This is when Satan, through the serpent, approaches Eve with temptation. All right? But I want us to take a look at something. There's all kinds of angles we could take here, but I want you to look at one in particular. Look at verse 2. We know what happened. The serpent asked, did God really say you can eat of no fruit or you will die? And, and Eve says, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. No, you won't. You, you will not surely die. He says, calling God a liar, you will not. Surely die for God knows. Now listen, that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. This angle I'm taking this morning because I see it today so much. The, the enemy, the thief is saying, you're not adequate enough. You're, you're just, you're kind of pathetic. Eve, look at yourself. You could be like God. Look at, you're pathetic. And he's telling us the same thing today. You just don't measure up. You just can't cut it. Now, I know spiritually that's true, right? We all fall short, fall short of the glory of God. I'm not talking about that. We recognize that. I'm talking about stuff like this. Here's the way he attacks. You know, I preached this several years ago here. And I, I'm sure everybody remembers it verbatim. So we're just kind of reviewing. You know what that means, don't you, when a preacher looks at his watch? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Sorry. Here's the way. Here's the way the same, the same thing he hits us with today. You ready? You're not intelligent enough. You'll never amount to anything. You're worthless. You're fat. You're skinny. You're not pretty enough. You're lousy at your job. Nobody wants you around. You don't have any real friends. Your, your family even hates you. And the list goes on and on and on. You pick your own list because you, you know your own demons. But the, the kick is you'll never measure up. Now, I'm, you understand, I'm not talking spiritually right now. We measure up because of the blood of Jesus, right? I'm talking about how you wrestle with your life day in and day out. How you see yourself. He's trying to tell you who you are and who you're not. And I'm telling you, it drives some people to the depths of depression. And if not quite that far, it'll lead you to a life of, of negativism and calloused life. Well, I'm telling you guys, we got some good news. Because that's not who we are. Amen.
quickly, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you four attributes of who you really are. Every one of them could be a sermon. We're not going to go skipping a rock. Okay? Now, this is what God's telling you. That's what the thief is telling you. We just saw what the enemy's telling you. Now, I'm going to tell you what God's telling you. First thing he says, he says, you're made in my image. Have you ever really stopped to think about that? God says, I'm going to make you like me. At least in some ways. And there's ways. You've been made like God. This is who you are. Made in His image. And you know what? That's true of every human being ever created, ever to walk this earth. Made in the image of God. Now the next three, they only apply to those who are in relationship with God through Jesus. Okay? Which is, which is out there. It's for you. It's for everybody. But the first one is, we're made in the image of God. Really? Absolutely? That's just what he says when he created in the first place. The second one is, you can be, and, and a lot of you right here are, adopted as his child. A child of God. That's not a figurative expression. That's not just a synonym for Christian. It's an actual transaction. He will actually adopt you, Ephesians 1. The one I love the most, though, is Romans 8. Blows my mind. Just blows my mind. Because Paul says in Romans 8, if we indeed are children, he's already said we are, receive the spirit of sonship. But he says, if we are children, then, then we are heirs. Heirs of God. You know this. And co-heirs with Christ. What? Well, you, Wait a minute, time out. Other, other than, we're not talking about his authority and position, but what he's talking about is we get what Jesus gets after this life. How in the world is that possible? How in the world can me, this lowly sinner, how in the world could I get the same thing that Jesus gets when this life is over? I'll tell you how. I'm his child too. So are you. If you're in relationship with him through Jesus. Folks, think about it. If God the Father were here right now in physical form, which he, He's not. I get that. That's hypothetical. If God the Father was here in physical form and somebody asked Him how many children He has, He would not say one. He has one begotten. No question. Jesus the Christ. But how many children Thousands. We don't make that distinction. I mean, if, if Beverly and I had adopted some children and we had them up here introduce them to this church, you know, here, here's, our, here's, our, here's our kids. So-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so, and so. Well, they're not really our kids. They're adopted. These were our kids. We're going to do that. Somebody shoot me. Rightfully so. Doesn't work that way. Adopted children of God. That's the second one. Third, we're indwelt with this Holy Spirit. God lives in us. Who are you? Who are you? Well, if you're in a relationship with Him through Jesus, not only are you made in His image, adopted as His child, He actually lives in you. 
Don't know that we can explain that completely. We do get things that he does for us. Thank you, Father. And then fourth, look, the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount. And this is so exciting. Simple. You've known this since you were a child, most of you. Jesus says, this is who you are, right? Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. Guys, you might not have noticed, this is a dark world in which we live. And it needs light. Love the, our shirts, our, our little slogan, love God, love others, share Jesus. They need the light. It's dark out there. Do you understand what that means as to who you are? You're a world changer. By imparting His light, change eternal destiny for people lost in darkness. Are you kidding me? Who are you? Satan's telling you all this garbage, the thief, the enemy, all this garbage trying to tear you down. And all the while we say, look at this, who we really are. This is incredible. He's going to try to kill your heart. Oh my goodness. God has given us so much to counter that. We should be lifted up, excited, joy-filled for who we are in Him. The third one, from this thief, from this enemy, he's going to try to destroy your life. Oh, and by the way, if he gets you on the first two, if he's able to steal your faith and kill your heart, it's easy to destroy your life. And simply put, wow, this is going to, simply put, this is just, he's going to get you to do what he says rather than what God says. Can't get any simpler than that. Well, you, what are you doing? You're getting up there to preach against sin? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the reason, look, blood of Jesus takes care of our sin problem. But you don't think sin will affect your life negatively? You're going to, oh, you're going to preach, go back and preach that same kind. You know, it's like the, the young preacher, his first, first preaching job. He comes to this church. Boy, he's excited. The church is excited, you know. And man, he gets there up there. He shucks the corn. Boy, he gets after it. Preaches a great, challenging sermon. Boy, the elders are proud. Everybody's fired up. And then next Sunday, next week, he gets up to preach again. Preaches exactly the same sermon. Verbatim. Word for word. And they're thinking, well, you know, he's, he's young. He's nervous. You know, cut him some slack. Be all right. Till the next Sunday... Gets up verbatim, word for word, same service. So now they have one of these emergency elders meetings. Ask Kellen about that. We, we remember those from Uvalde years ago. And they pull him into the room right there next to the, the, the podium, you know, and they go, what in the world's going on? You, you, uh, we, we get you in here. With, that was a good sermon. That was a good sermon, but, but good grief. Three times in a row, what are you doing? Why are you preaching the same thing over and over again? He said, well, when they start doing that, I'll change. Preach about something else. <laughs> Mike Kellett, speaking of Mike, I met Mike 38, 38 years ago. I was thinking about it last night. 38 years ago in Uvalde, Texas. 
You know, it like broke my heart the other day when I realized we've lived in Louisiana longer than we lived in Texas. Wow. <laughs> I guess I'm just going to have to own it. I met Mike 38 years ago in Uvalde. He was the education youth minister at the church I grew up in. And uh, I've learned so much from him over the years. But one thing that he taught me years ago, have you ever thought about, I'll get back to it, have you ever thought about why God tells us not to do some things? And this idea of, of doing what he says rather than what the thief or the enemy says. you ever thought about why he tells us not to do stuff? I, you think it's like, okay, I'm going to put that out there and say, okay, some of this stuff, I've got to see if they'll do what I say. I'll say, okay, that, don't do that, and uh, don't do that. That's really not the way it works. God doesn't give arbitrary commands, typically. He can test us if he wants, but he's not, he doesn't typically work that way. Here's what Mike taught me years ago. He said this, God doesn't take anything away from you that's good for you. Simple, isn't it? If he tells you no, it's not good for you. Why? He loves you for goodness sakes. He wants good things for us. It's like the parent and the child, the kid that wants to go play in the busy highway. Oh, well, that's what the... The parent says, no, you can't do that. The, the little kid doesn't understand. He, he's just being deprived of his fun. No. Because the parent has the best interest of the child at heart. And that's the way it is with God, y'all. If he says no, it's because he's trying to bless us. But boy, look, sin will destroy our lives. All the junk that comes with it. The misery, the guilt, all that stuff. He will drag you down. And all the while, God's saying, Romans chapter 12, don't conform to the pattern of this world, what the world is telling you to do and be. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Just follow Him. Trust Him. Do what He says. And you will be blessed by that. You want to defeat the thief? You know, you don't follow Him. You don't do what He wants you to do. Follow the Creator. Well, there, there you go. He'll steal your faith. He'll kill your heart. And he'll destroy your life. Where, where are you this morning? Hmm? Where are you? You find your, your faith a little shaky? All the stuff in the culture throwing all this stuff at you. And there's other things, but all the stuff that throws at you to try to break it down and tell you you're a fool for believing what you believe. Where are you when it comes to how you see yourself and your role in the world today? You feel inadequate? You feel not worth anything? Are you kidding me? Who He has made you to be, adopting you as His child and Indwelling you with His Spirit. And then ultimately, who you following? Who you listening to? If you'll trust Him, He will bless you. And we can all 
defeat the thief represented in John 10 and have victory over the enemy. I don't know the specifics for each and every one here, but I know this. If you don't know these things, if those things are not part of your life, then you've never come to Jesus. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, be baptized for the remission of your sins, raised to walk a brand new life with all these things to encourage you and let you know who you are in the blessings in store. You, you, you do that. You may have other needs, other hurts, other prayer requests, whatever they are. We're here and we invite you to come share those with us as together we stand and we sing.